This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Turn with me over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is writing to a church that has a great deal of experience with him in trouble. Philippians, uh, the city of Philippi was the place in that uh, Acts chapter 16 describes where Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for getting the devil, casting the devil out of the little girl that told fortunes. Once she was delivered, she couldn't bring any money to her masters anymore, and so they incited a riot and, and uh, had Paul and Silas thrown in the middle of jail. And so Paul, Paul and Silas, the Bible says in uh, uh, Acts chapter 16, I think it's about verse 25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that everybody's prison door fell, uh, flew open, everybody's chains fell off their arms, the, the stocks that their feet were in, they fell off. In other words, everybody was set free, not just Paul and Silas. Everybody in the jail was set free, and everybody just sits there waiting to see what's going to happen next. Well, this is the same group of people that Paul writes back to. They know of his experience. They know that he was thrown in jail. They know they heard about the earthquake. They heard about how he's released. Uh, the jailer took him home and, and, uh, and took them home and took care of their, their backs that had been beaten and were bloody and all that kind of stuff. Next morning, the, uh, the guy comes and, and uh, the magistrate comes and turns them loose and says, you know, could you guys leave town pretty soon? You know, we don't understand you. And, and so the city of Philippi, the, the church there at Philippi, they understand what's going on. And this is the people that Paul writes to. And notice that he says in verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious or don't fret about anything. Do you know worry is a sin? Worry is a sin. If you're worried about things, you're sinning. Now, the reason that I want to say it that way is because I want to get your attention on it. It's easy for us to say, well, you know, it's everybody's concerned about things. Now, quit making friends with sin. If you're worried, you're sinning. And you're not supposed to do that. So what are we supposed to do instead? He says, be anxious or be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious or fret about anything. But in everything, in everything, in other words, in whatever thing you might be tempted to worry about, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, what do you think he's talking about thanking God for? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why would he put thanksgiving in there? Well, back to the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas prayed. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Now, everybody in trouble prays. Even people that say they don't believe in God or believe in prayer, everybody prays. They may not let you know, but everybody prays. Everybody gets in trouble. They look to help from some, look for help from somewhere. But the Bible didn't say they just prayed. Most Christians will stop right there to pray. A lot of Christians are willing to pray when they get in trouble. Oh, God, help me. But that's not what they did. They prayed and sang praises unto God. See, the singing praises unto God is just as important as the praying. There's a, there's a great story in, uh, in um, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You may be familiar with the story. If not, you might want to turn back and take a look at it. Because it tells about how the children of Israel were surrounded by five enemy armies. 
And it says, Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, at that time the kingdoms were divided. Israel was the northern kingdom, Judah is the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat is the good king. He's the, the honorable and, and uh, 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 good king of the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah. And so he seeks God. He, he proclaims a fast. He says to everybody, you know, the, we're outnumbered. Man, there's no way we can defeat an army or five armies of this size, the, the group of armies that we've got. So, so we're going to need to find out what does God want us to do in this situation. It's good to find out the will of God. It's good to find God's direction when you're in trouble. So he says, we're going to have to, to, uh, to identify what God wants us to do. So he proclaimed a fast. And everybody fasted and everybody's seeking God. Everybody's looking to find out what is God telling us to do in this case. And now all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a certain man and he begins to prophesy. And he says, the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. He said, tomorrow, go down against your enemies at a certain place. The cliff of Ziz is where, where they were encamped. He said, you'll find them there at this certain place. Uh, God never tells you to run from your enemies. Face your enemies. Whatever it is, don't ever run from anything. Don't run from, from if, if you owe somebody, don't run from that. If you owe money, if, you, if, if your creditors are coming after you, don't run from them. Face your enemies and let God help you. So God says to him, he, uh, the, uh, the, the man prophesies by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, here's what to do. Go down against them. The battle is not yours. God will deliver them into your hands. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord. Man, that's something to get excited about. The battle's not mine, it's God's. God will do my fighting for me. So everybody gets happy. Man, everybody gets happy. We've heard from heaven. But then the next day comes. Everybody doesn't have the same great feelings that they had the day before. You wake up in the morning and your problem is still there. What are you going to do now? Well, Jehoshaphat gets everybody together and says, remember what was prophesied yesterday. Remember what the prophet told us. Remember what God said to us. And then it says, Jehoshaphat appointed singers and praisers to go out front. I guess he figured since God was going to do the fighting for him, no point in putting the, the SEAL team out front. Let's do something that will help us instead. Well, what's going to produce the greatest help? He put the singers and the praisers out front. He put the singers and the praisers out front. Folks, I want you to understand, here's a Bible principle. You need to put your singing and your praising out front in your life. If you're looking for God's help, if you're looking for God to honor His Word in your life, you need to put your singing and your praising out front. Thank you for your enthusiastic response. <laughs> it's absolutely the truth. It's the principle that we're supposed to follow. So it, they began to do that. It says they began to sing and to praise. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Now the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I think it's verse 20, it says, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. Then it tells us what happened. It tells us that all five of these enemy armies start fighting against one another, kill each other, so by the time Israel gets there, finishes their song and gets there, all they find is dead people and stuff to carry away. It says it took them three days to carry away the spoil of this battle. And they never swung one sword, shot one arrow, threw one rock, never did anything. Their battle was to praise God. Now, about a year ago, the Lord spoke to me about this. I had, uh, uh, I've taught this many, many times, and, and it, it should be taught many times. But the Lord spoke to me, and I was, uh, I was teaching, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, I was studying about something else, really unrelated to this. But the Lord said something really specific to me, and He said, Be careful how you teach that. I thought, That's strange. Be careful how you teach the truth of the Word. What do you mean, Lord? And then he said this, just as clear as a bell on the inside of me, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you're not careful, 
you can teach that in such a way that people who are in unbelief before will think, okay, that then is the key. I thought, well, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that some people will hear when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments. So even though they've been in unbelief, they haven't believed the word up to then, they think, all right, here's the magic bullet. Now all I have to do is praise God and then the answer will come. And he said, remember Abraham. Now while I'm talking, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. He said to me, remember Abraham. I thought, okay, Abraham. I know a lot of things about Abraham. What is it I'm supposed to remember about Abraham? He said, remember Abraham, and he was referring to Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 20. He said, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then he said it again. He said it to me this way. He said, his giving me glory was because he was strong in faith. And I, I, I saw it. I saw what I had done. I saw that I had put a little bit too much emphasis on when they began to sing and to praise. The Lord said ambushments. Because, folks, you could understand that if somebody ignored step one, two, and three, and they just thought, all I've got to do is praise God, then that'll be the answer. Not so. If you haven't found the Scriptures that promise you what you want from the Lord, if you haven't kept your heart from doubt and you're speaking words of doubt, and then just all of a sudden start praising God, it's not going to work for you. So praise in and of itself is not the magic bullet. But when praise comes as a result of you having chosen to speak what God's Word says, chosen to declare what the Word of God says about your situation, about what you've prayed for, when that comes as a result of you choosing, not because there's no doubt in your mind, not because there's no thoughts of doubt that come against you, but because you've chosen to accept the Word of God and put the Word of God first place in your life, then praise becomes the ultimate answer. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My mother called up and said, you have to turn on the TV, you have to watch this man. Suddenly we're watching it every Sunday. It started the whole, well, maybe we should go to church. We're going to get out of our pajamas on Sunday morning and we're going to go to church. And now you can't get us to not come to church. And pastors teaching, you know, it was outstanding on television but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was when it wasn't just the, the half an hour, but you know, his full message. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. This, uh, uh, what was it ago? It's been several months ago, six months ago, maybe something like that. I don't know exactly how long ago. But we had a lady that uh, was coming to healing school. And, and when she first uh, she came, uh, I, well, I guess when she first started coming, it was about a year and a half ago. And the doctors had diagnosed her as stage 4 cancer. She had breast cancer, and, and the doctors had given up hope. And, and uh, actually, the, just before she had come, the, the doctor's uh, diagnosis was, if you don't have surgery on this immediately and let us uh, take off the breast and, and do whatever we have to do to, to, to get what they said it had already grown on the inside of her body, uh, if you don't do that, you're, you're going to die in just a matter of a few months. 
Well, she came to healing school, and the first time I remember her coming to healing school, I don't know if it was her first time there, but the first time I remember that she came, she came up after the service, and she told me what the situation was, what the doctor had diagnosed, and, and uh, just, the, just the whole thing. And so then she asked me, she said, uh, she said you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't feel right about having the operation. What do you think I ought to do? Well, f- folks, you can't ever ask somebody else that. I, I can't stand it when people try to get me to be the one responsible for what they ought to do. And it's real easy to say, I don't feel like I should have the surgery. Has anybody ever felt like they should have a surgery? Yeah, the doctor says, I want to cut you open. Oh, that, yeah, I feel like that would be a good thing. Folks, there, there's all kinds of emotions that get attached to that kind of stuff. And so it's real easy to say, I don't feel like I should, but it's not coming from your heart. It's coming from a position of fear. I, I, let me take a little side journey. There was a lady that um, uh, she and her husband had started coming to the church when the first church first started. And she had been diagnosed with cancer many years before, before we ever started the church. And, uh, and, and sweetest lady loved God with all of her heart. I saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle with her to keep her alive. She would wind up going to the hospital and, and be at the point of death and God would bring her back out. When the doctor told her that she would have six months to live, she wound up living six years, something like that, a number of years. And, uh, and I did everything I could to get that woman healed. I prayed. I don't think I've ever prayed for anybody more than her. The position, the faith that, that I could see that she was taking seemed to be solid. She seemed to be doing everything just according to the word, saying the right things, believing the right things. Everything looked to me to be in a position to receive. That's why you never know what's going on with somebody else. It's easy to look at things from the outside and make assumptions, but you never really know. Well, long story short, she died. She, this, uh, this cancer overtook her. It was breast cancer. And it overtook her. And, uh, and, and I was, it just hurt me. I love these people and, and, uh, had, had put a lot of time and effort into praying for her and helping her and been to the hospital, been to their house numerous times, just a lot of things. Put a lot of effort into it. And, uh, so I had a lot of questions. As any, as is normal when, um, uh, most of the time when somebody dies of sickness, believing God, you know, confessing the word, that causes people to just get all upset and know why did this happen and that kind of stuff. Well, I learned from this situation, the answer to those things, you don't know. If God doesn't show you, you don't know. But it still doesn't change the word, doesn't change the truth, doesn't change God. So, folks, I want you to understand, if I can make it simple without putting, I don't want to point a finger at anybody else. If I die from sickness, I missed it somewhere. God's word's still true. So don't anybody come to my funeral and ask questions, why did this happen? I want somebody to be in charge of the funeral to stand up and say, well, we don't know exactly what, but Pastor Mike missed it somewhere. Okay, and in case that doesn't happen, let me just let you know now. That's what the case will be. God didn't fail. His word didn't fail. Whether I receive something or not, God's word's true. And that's true in everybody's case. So I may not have the answers for everybody, but it's never going to change the truth of the word for me. Don't let it change the truth of the word for you either. But this was a situation where I was really seeking God. You know, Lord, uh, you got to show me something. I need to know something. And I was sitting there with her husband. And it was, uh, uh, she had just passed away within 30 minutes. And I'm sitting there with her husband, and you know how emotionally drained you are when you lose a loved one and, and that type of thing. And, and uh, so I'm sitting there with him, and I, I didn't have any words to say. I'm, I'm, you know, struggling trying to find something to say that would comfort him, and, and there just weren't any words. So we were sitting there, and then all of a sudden he, uh, he said something about his wife. And, and I said, I have never seen a woman that was so happy 
every time I laid eyes on her, knowing in many cases she was in a lot of pain. So then he started talking about some of the good things and, and that kind of stuff. The, the, the atmosphere lightened up a little bit. And then he made a statement. He just he got real thoughtful for a second, kind of looked off to the side, and he said, you know, he said, however many years ago it was, I don't remember what he said now, but when the doctor first diagnosed cancer, he said, I remember my wife, called her by name, he said, I remember my wife said, I think I'm going to have to believe God for this because I'm afraid of the surgery. Well, as soon as he said that, a buzzer went off on the inside of me. And I realized what it was. Even though she's been operating in faith, it was from a foundation of fear. Now, in her case, it's very possible, more than likely, that had she gone ahead and had the operation, they could have gotten it when it was simple, gotten it when it was early, and never would have turned out to be a big problem in her life. So when people come to me about what should I do, I don't know what you ought to do. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what you're strong in faith about. I don't know if you're believing in the doctor. I don't know if you're afraid of the doctor. I don't know if you're believing in God or you're just trying to get some way to keep from going to the doctor. I don't know what somebody else is doing. I can only answer that for me and you can only answer that for you. So when this lady, back to the lady with breast cancer a year and a half ago, when she came to, to healing school, she said, I just don't feel right about having this, the surgery. I believe I, I should just trust God for this. What, sh- what do you think I ought to do? And I, I told her what I'll tell anybody that asked me that question. Anybody that asked me what I think they ought to do, I think they ought to go to the doctor. And the reason that I say that is because if they're not sure they shouldn't, that tells me they should. I have a lot of times people say, well, you faith people, you're against doctors. Are you kidding? Doctors keep people alive to where they learn how to believe God. I'm not against a doctor. You know how many Christians would be dead before they ever found out how to believe God if it hadn't been for doctors? Doctors aren't working against God. But any doctor that's worth his salt, any doctor that's honest will tell you he can't heal you. All he can do is treat the symptoms. He treats the circumstances. He's not healing you. Jesus is the healer. So I told her, I said, I think you ought to go to the doctor. And I told her why. And she said, well, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. And so I said, all right, I said, do this. I said, why don't you see, really search your heart, really identify, are you afraid of the surgery? If you're afraid of the surgery, then let's let's start there. Let's start believing God there. Or if it's really something in your heart, will you believe God's directing you not to? Well, long story short, she told me, she came back and she said, I, I know in my heart that I'm supposed to believe God over this thing. Well... Month after month after month went, month went by. She kept coming to healing school. It kept growing bigger, kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was something that was visible. Every time she'd take the dressing off of this thing, it was you could see it was bigger. Finally, it broke through the skin. Just some horrible circumstances and, and uh, symptoms associated with this thing. Everything about what she could see said it's not working. Your faith is not working. Now, you put yourself in her position. You think your head would have been giving you any trouble about that? Well, her sure was. Her sure was. She'd come back. She'd go to the doctor every now and then. The doctor would say, well, this is getting worse. you got to do this. You can't do that. And all this other kind of stuff. Pastor Mike, what, what should we do? And I said, well, none of those things change God. The Word of God's still true, no matter what the doctor says. Now, folks, bless people's hearts. They have a picture of failure. She has every opportunity to look at this thing in her body and see Failure. 
But you have to choose to put the other picture instead. You have to choose to see what the Word of God says instead. And the Word of God says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, and with his stripes you were healed. You have to choose. You have to make the Word of God personal for yourself. The Bible says in James chapter 5, it says, Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. Why would God tell you to pray for something you couldn't have? But here's the position that so many people take. Yeah, but the doctor said so-and-so, and he's a specialist in his field. <laughs> Folks, i got news for you. Jesus is a specialist in his field. <laughs> Jesus is a specialist in the field of healing. So she's got every reason, every reason to think that her faith is not working. She's seeing this thing grow. She's watching this thing get bigger and uglier, more discolored, nastier, seeing it. Week after week after week, yet she chose, get this, she chose to keep seeing herself well and keep saying that she was healed by the stripes of Jesus. She finally got to the place where she had to go back to the emergency room. She was at the point of death. I mean, at the literal point of death. Went back to the emergency room. Doctors got some fluids in her, did whatever they could to keep her going, keep her alive. Looked like all was lost. Looked like she wasn't going to make it through the night. But somehow or another, she survived till morning. And it was immediately following that that the doctor, her specialist, her original doctor came in, the one that had prescribed to her a year before. You've got three months to live unless we take this thing off. He comes back in. He starts looking at the situation. Now it's bigger. It's worse. He said, I, I told you. He said, it's a miracle that you're alive even now. He said, here's your choice. You might live another couple of months, maybe 30 days, maybe a couple of months, if we do the surgery now, or else you're going to die. You know what she said? She said, Doctor, the Word of God says that I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. So I'm going to believe God. Doctor got mad. Doctor got mad. Jewish doctor got mad. He's upset. See, he's the authority. He's the specialist in his field. He's mad at her. I don't think he's mad at her because he's, he doesn't want to see her die. I thought he was, I think more that he was mad at her because she wouldn't do what he told her she ought to do. That he ought to, what he told her she ought to do. So he got mad. So then they continued with some of the tests, see what they can do to comfort her, put her in the x-ray. You know what the x-ray showed? The x-ray showed that every bit of that thing had grown out from her body, not in. The x-ray technician, not a Christian. The x-ray technician said, the x-rays, I don't know how to explain this, but the x-rays look like there are hands underneath it holding it up. Holding it away from your body. See, the doctor said, this thing has grown all throughout your body now. This may have gotten into your lungs. It may have gotten into your liver. It may have gotten into your stomach. It may be everywhere now. You know where it was? It was right where you could see it. And that's the only place that it went. That was the only place that it went. You know what she started doing? She started praising God. She had been all along, but now she's got something to encourage. It is good to see some evidence, isn't it? I mean, that's an encouragement. It's not the final word, but boy, she's got something where now she sees the devil's been lying to her all this, these many months, this year. This devil's been lying to her, telling her that it's not working, your face not working. It's been working all the time and she just couldn't see it. Been working all the time. Folks, all things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible to them that believe. Then what, you know what she started to do? 
she started recognizing. She got stronger. The doctor released her from the hospital. I mean, this thing is still there, but it's not growing into her body. There's nothing else they can do except just give her salves and treatments and bandages and stuff like that. So you know what she started doing? She now recognizing, okay, I didn't see it, didn't understand it before. Now I have greater understanding what's going on. That's when she started really stepping up praising God. The more she praised God, the more this thing started falling off in chunks. I'm sorry, I know that's gross, but it's exactly what happened. She said she had to be careful how she dressed because she'd come home and chunks of it would fall off in, her, in the dressing. Well, you didn't want that to happen out in public, you can understand. So she had to be careful about how this thing went. This thing, she kept praising God more and more and more. This thing fell off piece by piece by piece until finally she went back to the doctor and there was absolutely no trace and there was absolute smooth skin, new skin that had replaced every bit of this. No trace of it whatsoever. Now, folks, anywhere along the way, she could have chosen to turn away from any of these things. She could have allowed doubt, the evil thoughts of doubt, to become doubts of the heart. She could have chosen to speak the things that she, the, the thoughts that were coming to her mind, and it would have ruined the whole thing, would have stopped every bit of the healing process. Anywhere along the way, she could have chosen to see herself only in the picture that the mirror provided for her instead of the picture that the Word of God provided for her. The Bible says the doer of the word is the one that looks into the word and doesn't forget what it says you are. Now, some people look at that and say, oh, didn't God do a great thing? God did do a great thing, but it was her faith that made it happen. Just like when Jesus talked to the woman with this, your blood and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith determines whether or not you're going to get answers to prayer, not even the will of God. Your faith is the thing that will do it. In your waking moments, think on the goodness and the greatness of God. In your waking moments, think on the goodness and the greatness of God. Never, ever, ever stop believing that all things are possible to them that believe. Never stop believing. Make it personal. Never stop believing all things are possible to me because I do believe. Never. Folks, the greatest faith victories that have ever been won by anybody have been one with thoughts of doubt coming in against that person's mind. Don't ever let the devil tell you because a thought of doubt comes, you're in doubt. You're not unless you speak it. It's just as easy to speak faith words as it is words of unbelief. It's just as easy to think faith thoughts as it is thoughts of doubt. You choose. You decide. It's thinking, please under, please get this phrase. We'll close with this. Please get this phrase. It's thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that lead the heart out of defeat and into victory. Let me say it again. It's thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that lead the heart out of defeat and into victory. Someone once said that praise is the highest type of faith. When we thank God for the answer, even that which we can't yet see, just because His Word says it belongs to us, that's real faith in action. Come join us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if you put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. 
He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.